Welcome back to Character Concerns. On the radio, usually we do podcasts. It's released every Tuesday. If you haven't downloaded it, go to 610sports.com, Spotify, Apple, wherever. Wherever you, you listen to it. Your podcast. Is, this a, is this appropriate for air, Julio? It is. It's always appropriate. Is this, I'm just making sure. This song's risky. This is a risky one right here. Jay Binkley, Kristen O'Sara, Nick Schwartz will be back with us on Tuesday. And Matt McMullen, a senior reporter for the Kansas City Chiefs, Julio Sanchez producing. All right, do you guys know there's only uh, – Five, five group of players ever in the history of the NFL to ever have three 1,000-yard receivers. I'm not talking about a running back in 1,000 yards. I'm talking about, well, I guess you can put tight end. You can put tight end or wide receivers because the Chiefs did not have anybody else with 1,000 yards last year except for Kelsey, which is amazing to how good that offense was. Number one offense, number one passing. Actually, only team over 300 yards passing, number one points per drive, you name it, with just one 1,000-yard receivers. I did mention the Colts. Deal for Colts because they had Stokely, Wayne, and Harrison. They had a squad. Obviously, Wayne and Harrison. You have Dallas Clark, you know, adding in there. Didn't quite have a thousand. Do you know the other? Can you just guess one of the teams? The other four teams. I know one off the top of my head. Okay, who's that? Is it the 08 Arizona Cardinals? Are they the on 08 there? Arizona Cardinals? Well, what was, was the criteria again? You said three thousand, three one thousand yard pass catchers, not okay. rushers, okay. pass catchers. It was Fitzgerald. He had fourteen thirty one. Bolden one thousand thirty eight. And our guy, Steve Breston, with 1,000 <laughs> oh, man, Steve yep. Bre- Can't fight City Hall. That's why I remember it, because the Chiefs signed him. Yeah. And I was like, we, he was the third 1,000-yard receiver on the Romeo Cardinals. Was here. And Romeo yeah. was here. Uh, the other one was um, Atlanta, 1995, Eric Metcalf, Terrence Mathis. The, I would have never, never gotten that. 1989, Washington, Art Monk, Ricky Sanders, Gary Clark. 100%. What a group that, that group was. And 1980, Chargers. Which was Kellen Winslow, John Jefferson, Charlie Joyner. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the that great, makes sense. The great the, Dan the, Fouts. Yeah. That offense. Air Corey. Air, oh, that, it was ahead of its time. Yeah. That's when teams didn't do that. No, yeah, you didn't use your tight end the way that they used the tight ends. Well, the Kellen Winslow was kind of the precursor the, to what you see now. With, yeah, uh, I mean, with Kelsey and, and would, like Jimmy would, Graham, too. I couldn't imagine his numbers now. They'd be unreal. <laughs> yeah, he, he put up some pretty monster numbers today. Like his numbers right now and then. You can't know, touch these guys at their five. Yeah, yeah. With he, number, he'd with, kill it. That's what Warren Moon always said. Like, if he could play nowadays. Warren Moon probably, I mean, he was already a Hall of Famer. If, yeah, he got to play in today's NFL, he'd be one of the top five quarterbacks for sure. 100% top five quarterbacks. You mentioned the offensive line, Matt, when we were talking at the end with um, Anton Harrison. And um, and you mentioned Darnell Wright, I believe. Darnell Wright's a stud. I believe he made the all-Jews team when the uh, tribute to Therese at Charles Robinson. Yeah, and, has, I mean, you watch film of him going against Will Anderson Jr., and uh, it wasn't good for Will. You know what? He, he's a great player, but did play right tackle, and some people would be concerned, saying, well, where'd you play in college? Like, what's one thing where you played in the NFL, where'd you play in college? Because if you're on the right side or left side, which side are you on? Some teams go like that. They may have a left-handed quarterback or right-handed quarterback. It doesn't matter where they uh, run their sets mostly. That does happen. Anton Harrison's a guy at Oklahoma that I like the most when we did our mock draft of every team in the NFL didn't have a wide receiver we really wanted that place so we went with Harrison because he was a left tackle played right like one or two games at Oklahoma but he gave up one quarterback hit in 446 snaps <laughs> that's insane that's the guy you say okay you could be your left tackle in the future it depends on what happens with Jamon but we know since you're a left tackle you could play right and by the way the Chiefs love Oklahoma offensive linemen Secret Humphrey. Yeah. And, and Orlando, Orlando Brown, Brown Jr. And Orlando Brown Jr. Orlando Brown. It's been a pipeline. You're 100% right. It's so hard to find tackles in the draft, especially if you're not picking in like the top 10. And even when you are, so many players that are top tackles in the college ranks 
in the NFL, they're not a left tackle. They're maybe just a right tackle and at times just a guard. I think if you look <sighs> at even this class, look at Peter Skoronsky from Northwestern, kind of the consensus top tackle on this draft. A lot of draft guides and experts think he's a guard in the NFL because of his arm length. So when you're investing a premium pick in a guy, especially if it's in the first round, you hope that maybe at least he has the versatility to play left tackle. And that's why I think Harrison is the most intriguing for me because he did it and did it with a lot of success at Oklahoma. Darnell Wright is intriguing too, though, because of his mindset. So he struggled at left tackle at Tennessee in previous seasons, got moved to right tackle. Some guys might see that as like a demotion and was maybe the best right tackle in all of college football this past year. So I respect yeah, he was that at least. as good as you could be. Yeah, he was amazing. And it, like Chris said, against Will Anderson Jr., maybe the maybe the top pick in the draft, we don't know uh, for sure, a top five pick in the draft, allowed just one pressure in that game against Alabama. And you know what? That matters. That matters to GMs. Uh, I've had a GM tell me before, you know, when you're looking at tape, a lot of times it's a waste of your time. Who'd you play? Did you play Alabama? I want that film. Did you play Georgia? I want that film. Like, it doesn't matter kind of if you're out there playing, you know, Vanderbilt and place like that because you might have had a good game or a great game. Did you play Alabama? Did you play Georgia? Did you play USC? Who did you play? And that does matter. And the funny thing for all the Tennessee players is they had, like, the game of their life against Alabama. Like, Jalen <laughs> Hyatt, did. didn't he have, like, five touchdowns against four. Alabama? Four. I think he had five. Four. No, was it, was it, it five? five? I think I it was five. I thought it was four. Yeah, he had a he had a monster game. I mean, he was just burning the. I mean, literally just single man coverage every time. Got past him, touchdown. Did you get Brian Branch out there and everything? Else? Yeah, Branch was out there though. They did. They, they weren't running Branch over the top like they should have been. After the first couple touchdowns, you think they do that? Another guy though who intrigues me at offensive tackle who has been kind of slipping lately. It seems like is Dewan Jones from Ohio State. Yeah, the largest human I've ever seen at six foot eight, 374 pounds. He's 40 pounds heavier than Orlando Brown. Yeah. Think about that. He's got a crazy arm length too. It broke the senior bowl record. Seven foot six, <laughs> our wingspan. <laughs> oh my God. It's unbelievable. I mean, now, obviously when you're that big, it's going to be difficult against like the Von Millers of the world. But Dewan Jones is a player that if he was there in the second round, you could probably put him at right tackle. And when you're that large, and, I mean, he can move for a player of his size. He can make some sense, too. The thing is, when you look at right tackles, they got to be just as good as your left tackle, man. When you think about Mitch Schwartz and how good he was, because it's not like other teams are saying, well, you know, we're going to put our best pass rusher on their left tackle because that's our best offensive lineman. No, we, they want mismatches. They want mismatches in the NFL, and guys are flipping sides all the time who they're getting. So your right tackle almost has to be just as good as your left tackle because, essentially, it's not like teams are just sitting there going, well, we want to be fair here. They're not going to do that. They want mismatches. And it seems like every team has like two or three guys who are really good off the edge, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Especially in our division. Like you look at uh, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack on the Chargers, Chandler Jones, Jones uh, Max Crosby on the Raiders, goes on and on. So, yeah, you're right. You're 100% right. Uh, you need as many good tackles as you possibly can, especially over the course of a long season. And especially now that so many teams are moving their pass rushers around so much and doing a lot of stunts there. Like there's a lot of times where like you're, you're seeing guys like Chris Jones go out there and line up on the edge. And, and you know, that's a lot of times going to be a mismatch with the, his level of strength. Thanks, loves that, man. Yeah. He loves that. And he does it. He did it. He obviously did it in the AFC championship game. The final snap, the Bengals took on offense. Chris Jones lined up against the right tackle and just killed him on that rep. Because you and want the line when they break huddle going, where's Jones? Exactly, exactly. And so when you get teams out here who are moving guys around, doing these rotations or whatnot, you, you kind of want a guy you can trust that's going to be able to do well in different matchups against different kinds of pass rushers. Because some guys are going to be more speed-oriented, some guys are going to be more power-oriented. And so if you're not 
able to handle a certain kind of matchup, it's going to be a problem for you. It's one of the things I always thought with Andy Reid, and there's a couple of positions. We'll get into it later. But backup quarterback, if you played in the NFL, I think that carries a lot of weight. And also left tackle. And that's what I've always felt with the Chiefs. Like, it's one thing for rookie, but maybe not yet. Because you got you want that experience for the blind side of a half-billion-dollar billion quarterback. You just do. So I always – and with Juwan Taylor, when they say, well, we can move over to left side, that's fine. Because I do believe that Andy Reid does value veteran leadership on that side of the ball. And, and the experience. Yeah. Yeah, just the fact that you've been around, you know what it's like to be in the NFL, you've played NFL games. Very difficult to take a guy as a left tackle in the draft and as a rookie put him there at left tackle. I don't care – what kind of team you are or what aspirations you have. If you're a Super Bowl contender or a team picking in the top five, it's difficult to do, and they're hard to find. That's why they're so valuable. They are, and a lot of times they're not ready to play right away. They just aren't. I mean, it took Fisher a while to get used to it, and all, a lot of good offensive linemen in the NFL. It took a well, while. Look at the, the pandemic year, you know, with Alex Leatherwood and Sam Cosby and Liam Eisenberg and all these guys. Oh, man, they, they so many whiffs at tackle. Tevin in that Jenkins. Tevin the, Jenkins, another one, yeah. That's why the Chiefs went. With Orlando Brown, that's what was so amazing. The Ravens were making made that deal, and then some pick, pick fifty eight with the the turn to Nick Bolton. That was insane. But most of these guys got moved to guard or moved to the right side. Or Alex Leatherwood that got cut. Actually, he was a first round pick. Cut it quickly. I think he's on the practice squad for the Bears at this point. But you got to be right, man, when it comes to offensive linemen. But I I, I trust the way the Chiefs have, they have valued offensive linemen and seen their growth and development. You know, I, I, a lot of these guys will help each other out, and that's unusual that uh, guys are so willing to help each other. And this discussion makes the fact that the Chiefs got Creed Humphrey in the second round and Trey Smith in the sixth round all the more impressive, right? To get two of the best offensive linemen in the NFL in the same draft, neither of them was a first-round pick. To get Trey in the 200s like the Chiefs did, he's a top-10 guard in the NFL and just got him in the sixth round. It's nuts. He and Tyree Kill are some of the top. I would say Tyree Kill at this point, the best draft pick. As far as value from where he was right, drafted. right, yeah. Jared Allen was another good one because he's brought in his long snapper and turned into <laughs> elite pass rusher. But Trey Smith's production, and not only that, when you go back to Trey Smith, that was one of those things where you have to trust the medicals, and that's where you have to talk to somebody, you know, and kind of get exactly where they're at. You know, you talk to doctors and everything else. This is where trainers come involved uh, with the drafting decisions because a lot of times, a lot of teams will just back away from a player with a lot. That's why he slipped so far. You know what's funny is because I'll never forget when it was on Zoom, it was during pandemic. So they had the Zoom with the different players they took. Trey Smith was back at his house, but one thing he had was the draft hat. You don't notice draft hats of players unless people think they're going to go in top three. I don't notice it, man. You talked to all of them too, but <laughs> do you see a lot of the team draft hats with players selected in the sixth round? Because I don't. No, no, certainly not. And you could tell it meant a lot to him that the Chiefs invested in him and believed in him. And he had the draft hat. Yeah, and he's. He's repaying us in spades now, I'd say. Because I think with the six-round pick, having all those, all 32 hats, probably had them all. He probably had every team's there. They expect him to go a lot higher than what he went. That just told me right there when I saw those hats. He was yeah. supposed to be like a third-round pick if yeah, it wasn't they, for the medical stuff. It was, it was, it was funny because um, the stuff he was saying, it wasn't any on with talking about Orlando Brown was one of the guys he like really watched. At watched, least before the draft. He was yeah, I think, I think so. I think I remember guy. that. Yeah. Great stuff. You're listening uh, to Character Concerns, the podcast turned radio show at this point. Coming up next, we'll look at edge rushers in this year's drafts. We've done wide receivers, offensive linemen. Let's talk about that edge next. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick Bank and Chris. 
Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Character Concerns. We all have character concerns. Uh, we really good, do. good choice, Julio. Jay Binkley, Chris Unocero, Nick Schwartz uh, will be back with us next week. Julio Sanchez producing the operation. And Matt McMullen from the Kansas City Chiefs, our special guest tonight. Matt, we've done wide receivers. I still want to get into tight ends because there's so many things to do. I just looked, I've been doing the big position groups that uh, are our favorites. Um, what would you do? If you're sitting there, I'm not saying what the Chiefs would do. What would you do? Wide receiver, tight end, offensive lineman we just talked about, or next topic, edge rusher sitting there. All but You can make an argument for any position with the Chiefs. Yeah, you really can. And I'll always preface it with, I have no idea what the Chiefs will do, but I can't say what I think I would you don't, do. You don't have any insights? <laughs> you, don't, you can't? Ignorance is bliss in this situation. I think that they're just waiting for the board to see where it falls. I think they're like a lot yeah, of us when we do yeah. mock drafts and they want to see where teams are going or who's going on the run. I think there's probably guys they like, but they have no idea. Well, and that's the key. Again, that's what I was mentioning earlier, that I think the way the depth of this draft works out, that where the Chiefs are picking, it's not a big deal that they're the last pick in the first round. They're going to get a really good player there. It's it's almost a blessing in disguise. They're, they're, I look at it like this, because I told you I like Friday so well, the second round, because the board resets. They essentially have the first pick of, of that round. Because when you get to past 20 or whatever, it's a, you're basically getting second rounders anyway. But you're sitting there, and you have valuable commodity. Well, team trades you up, and all of a sudden give you 36 and 63, so you have two picks in the second round. So many good things can happen to a team where the Chiefs are sitting. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And maybe it is edge. I don't know. Let's talk about some edge guys, because there's some edge guys that could fall to 31 or, or be in that tradable range that I think could make some sense. Here's the one thing with edge. So in 2021, I looked at the top 20 sackers, which there was 28 of them because eight of them were tied. 18 of them were first round. Okay? 12 first uh, one through 15 picks. And then six out of it, 18 first round picks out of the top 20, which ended up being 28, five second rounders, two third rounders, one fifth, two undrafted. All right. So you go to 2022 out of the top 20 sackers, they ended up being 24, 11 first round, one through 16, there was 10 of them and four or four second round picks, five third rounders, three fourth rounds, one fifth round. So basically what we're saying is you got to be one through 18 if you want to be you know, lock solid that you're going to get it. But George Karloftis fell out of that. You know, Max Crosby wasn't a first-round pick. And then you have James Houston, Detroit Lions last year, that was second rookie uh, sacker last year. He was a sixth-rounder. Yeah, behind Aiden Hutchinson, right? Yeah, behind Aiden Hutchinson. So yeah, they, they're, more, they're pretty nice. So it's one thing, because we're talking about linemen, because I think you can find value, because it used to be if you want a top lineman or you want a top edge, you need to get into the top 15 to 18. And that's not been the case anymore whatsoever. Yeah, and how about a guy like Miles Murphy, who maybe would have been a, a top 15 pick, but for whatever reason, seems to be kind of sliding out of that range when you're looking at mock drafts and all of that. He's someone that maybe could be there in the mid-20s. I hope teams are watching some of these slides and like buy into it, because I'm not buying that they're buying the slides. Well, I totally agree. Because their mock's the only ones that count. I mean, why do guys slide down? Like, why are they moving? Yeah. And they've done nothing wrong. Like, nothing wrong legally. Anything they've not done wrong, because we would have heard about it, but yet they're sliding and, you know, these teams, they, they, they have to enjoy it. I mean, they have to enjoy it because it means something to them. Because if guys start sliding, 
it benefits them. And the public perception is important because that influences some of these teams. Well, I, you see, the, you see if McShay or Kuiper pick somebody, they're automatically jumping. How, up. How, how much does the public, like, does that public opinion on players really influence I think big teams time, because like I'll use the example of college basketball or college football. If you're a two-star player, but if Alabama comes in and offers you, you're a four star about an hour. Yeah, and a half but I'm, later. I'm talking about like Kansas. You're I'm a talking about like the draft, though. It's different. It's different when you're I, talking about college I, I, sports. I think it matters when, even though Kuiper and McShay aren't the most accurate of mockers, because but, like if, if I'm a general manager and I trust my scouting department and I trust that they know what they're talking about. I don't give a damn what Mel Kuyper got to say about that. Player. I want to know who they're looking at. Though, I care about the ebbs and flows. Yeah, because I care more about what my scouting team has to say. Because I'm paying them. It's like Bryce Young. If yeah, they, he's the best quarterback. Then all of a sudden, CJ Stroud. But, that's what, also, well, it's but if, if I'm a team that believes that CJ Stroud was the best quarterback in the draft, I don't give a damn that people got teams. That teams oh, people Bryce have Young. have the Panthers taking Bryce Young at at, uh, at number one overall because my number one quarterback is CJ Stroud, anyways. And so I don't I don't know how that matters. But regardless, you like the Sedge class. I do too. And I'll also add to that because I think it's interesting because I think it varies by front office. I think some front offices are really rock solid, and the Chiefs are one of those that they just trust their board. They trust their guys. I think the group think, though, of mock drafting and all these draft guides and analysis, I bet it does influence some teams that maybe aren't so invested. It's in why the front I thought Mike Mayick would make it with the Raiders. Yeah. Because he was a mocker. He did this thing. I, I did not think he was going to make it. But I did think he was going to make it because, you know, he had every general manager's. Yeah, but I, because he was, he was a mocker and they trusted his mocks. And then all of a sudden, like, whoa. Mike knows us way too well. What's going to happen here? I was very intrigued to see what was going to happen, but it didn't work out. Didn't work out. Got some good players, though. Got Max Crosby. Got uh, Josh Jacobs. Got some but, good ones and got some. Yeah, he, he may have had some work. pretty big misses, too. Yeah, But I, I was very I, curious about that. But anyway, I'm really good at getting off the rails, as you guys well, can so see. We are too, right? <laughs> oh, we, we do it, too. <laughs> but yeah. you know what, though? It's, it's all good. Fun. But uh, Miles Murphy is a guy I like. The kind of edges that I tend to like are guys that are heavier. So guys that are like 260 plus. And there's some of those guys in this draft. Guys like Miles Murphy. A uh, local kid, Felix Enyudike Uzama from K-State and Lee Summit High School. Uh, 6'3", 255 pounds. Really one of my favorite players in the draft. I love this production at K-State. He's bendy off the edge, but also powerful. It's, it's hard to find that combination at the end of the first round. He could be there. And Isaiah McGuire from Mizzou is a player that I don't understand why he's not getting more and we mocked him attention. Yeah, we did. A, a heck of a player. Like, in a lot of ways, reminds me of Carlos Dunlap. And I think he would fit in right away and help this team win. And he should be available oh, on day two. Kind of so if let's say they do, they do go McGuire, like let's say fourth round. That's where we took, we had him in our mock going fourth round. Do you think it's good for them to take another edge earlier and then kind of get McGuire later as a way to kind of get some supplemental, like you got a couple guys now you can develop uh, as, as an edge rusher. Do you think McGuire is enough to where you feel, you feel pretty good about just bringing him in, and then you can develop him into your other edge rusher. Well, I think the benefit of being the Super Bowl champions and a team with a lot of young, controllable talent already is you can take the best player who's there. So you can go into it with the thought of we're going to throw numbers at this position, but if a guy like Tucker Craft at tight end is available in the third round, why not? Which, by the way, did you know that he had a chance to transfer to Alabama, but he said no? Yeah, I did see that. I was reading about him earlier today. That's crazy. Yeah, and then he got hurt early this season. But do you know what's tough about Tucker Craft is my wife went to the University of South Dakota. Oh, She's a coyote. No. So if we draft him, and also Jack Cochran, I mentioned him earlier, a coyote. That's the, my only hesitation with Tucker Craft. But, but they took down the uh, mighty North Dakota State Bison. Yeah. 
Y'all, y'all really, y'all really mad about players for a po- I mean, I'm a, I'm a Florida fan, and I'm, I'm perfectly okay with Jalen Hyatt coming to the Chiefs. Well, James Houston okay. was. And I hate Tennessee, but I'm perfectly okay with, with them going out there and getting Jalen Hyatt to fill up the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. But edge rusher, I'd be fine with it because it's so deep. Um, here's the other thing too. We'll get to this before it, you, have, you have to leave or do you, can you stay? I can hang out. Because I want you guys I'll, will have me. I want to give we will. I want to give you our mock and let you. Yeah, I'd love to hear mock. it. Mock our mock because not necessarily the players, but the position too. I think go into it. Um, one thing was this: is when we looked at, at at the quarterback situation, the backup quarterback. I told you I felt like Andy Reid wanted experience at left tackle, and the other one was a backup quarterback. Because of what he's always had for backup quarterbacks, they played in the NFL. And he didn't, you know, if he had a lot of backups or backups for a reason, they didn't have the career going the way they wanted to. But if he wants a 98-yard drive like he had against the Jaguars, you need a Chad Henney to go do it. You need someone capable of doing it. So I was like, okay, well, they don't really have that on the roster at this point. They went and got it with Blaine Gabbard. That guy gives him experience. He's been with Tom Brady since 2019, so he's got that experience. It makes sense. I'm not having him draft a quarterback anymore. I did before because I like the Stetson Bennett, and I'll tell you why. Because he's he was SEC title game MVP, back-to-back national championship MVP. They're passing. They're, they were sixth in the nation in offense. Their offense was actually better than their defense this year, which people don't give him credit for. An incredible runner is undersized, but he's played in the biggest games of one of four quarterbacks in the history of college football to win back-to-back national titles. So if you weren't getting a guy with experience like an Andy Dalton or somebody like that or a Blaine Gabbard, and you didn't get anybody on the open market, I would have thrown a dart at somebody like that only because they had big game experience, which you don't worry about them in big games because they've seen it before. They've done it. They played the uh, the biggest games, but I don't think we're going to see a quarterback anymore. I thought we were, but we're not going to anymore. Yeah, it gets back to, though, that when you're a team like the Chiefs that is already – so talented, you just won the Super Bowl. You can take shots like that. Now, signing Gabbert, probably not at quarterback anymore in this draft. But, but the uh, Patriots used to do it. Sure. Ryan and, Mallett, Matt Castle. It can never hurt. Uh, I think what this conversation could also be, though, is it's, it's positions that maybe we don't expect them to draft. They could take a player because he's really good and he's slipping, and maybe he doesn't fill an immediate need, but why not? And Leo Chanel is a good example of that from last year. I don't think a lot of people thought the Chiefs were going to take – a Sam style linebacker early in the draft. They ended up getting Leo with the 103rd pick just because he was there and he ended up helping this team win some games. Could be a similar situation this year where positions like corner, where you think the Chiefs are really good. If there's a really good corner in the top 100 that's available when you're picking, could make some sense. Because their linebacker core is so good right now. And Drew Tranquil. It is so, and Drew Tranquil coming in. I want to talk about that because, you know, people are talking about free agency order. Look up what this guy did. Look at the all around linebacker. He has the coverage skills that he has. <laughs> Excuse me, Willie Gay, another guy that was he was actually a top rated coverage linebacker yeah, coming out from of the draft PFF, yeah. When he was taken out. But what they can do at linebacker, then you add Drew Tranquil to this group. I mean, it's a salty group. What they in bringing in a Menahu and stuff like that and Drew Tranquil. Chiefs had some nice, I'm not gonna say under the radar because if you follow football, these are big time players. But that's a pretty good offseason, uh, free agency wise on defense for the Chiefs. Set them up where they don't have to draft certain players. Exactly. They're not in a position where they have to do things Don't because do they, they've addressed their immediate needs. And now you can supplement that in the draft. Just add some more good players wherever you, however the board falls to you, you can add those players. And I'm excited about this defense 
next year. When you think about all the young players on this team that stepped up in so many ways, uh, finished what eleventh in total defense. When you look at total, I'm not talking right. scoring yeah. was like sixteen. It was eleventh in total, defense. but they went right. way up and so sort of the run defense. This defense got exponentially better just right in front of you. And as we've talked about before, only four guys in this roster were here before Mahomes. One on offense, one on defense, two specialists. Winchester, Butker, Jones, and Kelsey. That's it. They have flipped this roster right in front of us. A lot of it comes down to the draft. All right, we'll get into the mock. You can mock our mock. There's a couple players on here we really, really like, and I want to get your opinion on this next, Matt. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick, Bank, and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's some Dr. Feelgood, Motley Crue is going to be playing at the NFL Draft, the NFL. I couldn't have told you who this is. This is not my kind of music. Did you do this for a reason? I, I did, for that reason. Well, after he did Fall Out Boy and Thundercat, like, he had to have done, he had to do Motley Crue after that. Chris, you need to you need to experience a little more cultural. No, I'm good. And I'm bad at I'm music, good. so me even attempting to do this. Usually it's all about sports. But uh, Jay Binkley, Chris Nocero, Nick Short joins us Tuesday. Julio Sanchez producing the operation and Matt McMullen from the Kansas City Chiefs in here with the Character Concerns Group because this is the time that we call Mock Our Mock, which is who we picked this week. Now, I will be honest with you. We use Pro Football Focus's uh, Mock Draft Simulator, which people like to send a lot of mocks. Like people call it Mock Monday. We get a lot of mocks. But I would not respond if they had, only had more than 10 picks. If they had like 11 or 12 or so. Because you got to get narrowed down. Give them 10 picks. They have 10 picks. That's all they have. Uh, this year, and you see where the board falls and what dilemmas you can have. This week, uh, Nick Schwartz uh, with our group had the first pick in the draft at 31, and we were shocked to find this out um, because he really wanted to go edge. He really, really wanted to go edge. He went Derek Hall in the second round in our second mock draft, but he went probably the best tight end of the group, Dalton Kincaid, tight end of Utah, was still sitting there. Because the run of tight ends hadn't happened. A lot of people think that run is going to come in the second round. Yeah. As far as tight ends are concerned, this is one of the better tight end groups you're going to see in decades. I just don't want a situation to happen like two or three years later. Like, ooh, why don't we grab a tight end in the greatest tight end draft of all time? Because the Chiefs love 12 personnel with two tight ends, love 13 personnel with three tight ends. Yes, I know they have four tight ends on the roster, but you're always, you're always bringing in talent and seeing what you can do with talent. But this is a very good tight end group. Would you be opposed if the Chiefs threw a dart at a tight end? Absolutely not, especially if a guy like Dalton Kincaid is sitting there at 31. Pass catchers. Just an absolute monster season for him last year. My favorite stat about him, he had a 35-4 to four touchdown to drop ratio in college. 35-4, to that's pretty good. 35-4. to four. So sounds, like a, sounds like a statistic <laughs> Bink is going to throw out there for the next <laughs> well, week. What's the one thing that Andy Reid is going to throw it out there? Can you catch the football? That's a big, big thing for Andy Listen, it's a big thing for everybody, but Andy Reid – Catch the football. Eight catches of 25 or more yards last season. 16 broken tackles. He led all tight ends and receiving yards and catches per game. Hmm, it's a yak machine, kind of like Travis Kelsey, right? Yards after yeah. catch, some of the Chiefs covet. And, and one thing you mentioned earlier, you look at how do guys perform against major competition. Against USC last year, he had 16 catches for 234 yards. 
Mm. One of the biggest games of the season just went off. And so, by the way, Jalen Hype did have five touchdowns against Dallas. Was it five? Yeah. It was, it was a lot. But you I go off against the biggest teams. Dalton Kincaid's one of many. Michael Mayer, Notre Dame, Luke Musgrave. People are talking about it. Oregon, I like Tucker Craft, the do-it-all tight end from South Dakota State, who had a chance to transfer to Alabama. Said, no, nah, I'm good up here in South Dakota State. Yeah, another guy. And now he's got a ring. Another guy we've <laughs> talked about. Alabama, believe it or not. Another guy we've talked about is uh, Zach Koontz from Old Dominion. That's another option as well. Probably third, we love probably, these three and nine old Dominion Yeah, guys. probably probably fourth probably fourth round there, but like he could end up being a steal if he gets to the right system. And I, I think the Chiefs they would they would use him great. I mean, six seven, like two forty, two forty five. He he is at, you know, four five five forty speed. So you get that in that kind of a, with that kind of length and that kind of frame, and I, I think he could be great there. There's a lot of options to tight end in this. Darnell draft. Washington that can catch and block. Yeah, and yeah, he's another six seven guy. Talent. But I'm always concerned too when there's another tight end that's he's the Brian, he's the Brock second Bowers. best player in his position Brock on his top team. five yeah. guy when it when it comes to next year. But a lot of people are like, well, the Chiefs can get a quality tight end maybe in the second or third. True. But if the run on tight ends happens on the second, which is what a lot of people think will happen, I mean, it could. Maybe they, they slide and there's not many, much tight end action in round one. Well, be prepared for round two. Be prepared for for pick 63. Top four or five tight ends you want aren't going to be there. Agreed. And I don't mean to be a broken record, but when you're a team like the Chiefs, you have needs, sure. The roster's never perfect. But this is the time where if a guy like Kincaid slips to 31 and you want to pull the trigger – you can afford to do so because the roster is already so good. You just want a Super Bowl that it's worth the risk there of maybe overlooking a positional need and saying, let's take the best player available. And Kincaid is someone who really could go in the top 15. So if he's there at 31 or if he's he there could. in the tradable range, he could immediately be a weapon on offense. And we talk about the receiver core a lot. Well, Travis Kelsey is the number one pass catching option on this team. You had Kincaid. Yeah, he's a tight end, but he's immediately a weapon on this offense. That's a quasi receiver. Well, think about who you're, I mean, if you take him, think about who you're putting him in a room with. Yeah. Mahomes is there. That's fine. But Kelsey, you're talking about, he's the greatest tight end of all time. I I don't even argue it anymore. Seven straight 1000 yard seasons. No one has more than four 1000 yard seasons. And guess what? They weren't all together. Connected. Gonzalez, all these guys, four 1,000-yard seasons. He's got seven, but they're in a row. Greg Olson had three in a row. He, he's just the best tight end in NFL history. So you're learning, and not only that, he runs a clinic with Greg Olson, you know, tight end university. I can't think of a better mentor to have in a locker room than Kincaid with uh, Travis Kelsey. And it's just a great room already because Jody Fortson's a player who I think is going to have a really nice year this season. Blake Bell's a veteran uh, who's been around. And Noah Gray made some plays for this team last the year. Beldozer, well. baby. Yeah. He's back. The bulldozer is back. All right, round two. It was my pick at 63. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be there. Chiefs might have to do some maneuvering. Yeah, I don't. Uh, in the second round. I, they took 10 picks last year. I don't know if they're going to do it this year. Uh, they're all ears. Any kind of deal that's out there you're interested in. Uh, we talked about him earlier, but Jonathan Mingo is becoming one of my favorite players in the draft, one of my favorite wide receivers in the draft. 6'2", 220 pounds, runs a 4'6", at the Combine. Um, reminds me of A.J. Brown, um, a player that I think the Chiefs would covet because they don't have that particular skill set that he's got. And I think it's going to be a real diamond in the rough. I think we're going to look back and say, uh, you know, like an A.J. Brown, like a D.K. character. Could have gotten uh, uh, Jonathan Mingo here at this point. The senior bull Jim Nagy raves about him, even calling him. Um, some wide receiver coaches I mentioned earlier value him more in the first round. Um than uh, than some of the first-round receivers being taken. 
Yeah, I don't know why he's not getting more buzz in the first round because I understand there's some really talented players up there, but his the size speed combination. He, 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 he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't super productive at Ole Miss, and I think that's the reason why. But like the measurables check out. But what if these NFL like Peter Schrager, who was the fifth rated mocker last year, had him going to the Saints in the first round? Some people do, and the wide receiver coaches seem to like him and think, okay, he's not going to slide. Maybe an NFL GM or two or three says, no, no, Jonathan Mingo, because we, we don't, you know, we don't trust some of the wide receivers. Mingo's right there with them. We brought him in for a top thirty visit. Eh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Maybe some team thinks he's the best wide receiver out of the bunch. You never know. You just cannot teach six foot two, two hundred and twenty no. pounds, four four six speed. There's other things that maybe contributed to his lack of productivity at Ole Miss that are coachable. But to my mind, if a player like that is available in the second round, I'd be all for it. And, and you guys are batting a thousand right now, in my opinion, if I was doing a, a mock draft to get Mingo and Kincaid <laughs> in the first two <laughs> picks without trading up or anything. Yeah, because I, I I do think Mingo is going to be a guy you got to trade up for. Kincaid probably as well. But like for all we know, a team might be more enamored with like a Michael Mayer because of the blocking capabilities. Cause I, I think a lot of people think he's going to be the best blocking tight end sure. in the draft. So I think in that case, maybe not a lot of teams look at, at Kincaid as a fit for their team yeah. because he's not the blocker that a Michael made. Mingo's uh, relative athletic score was a 9.86. Oh, it was really high. It was at, really out high. of 10 that ranked 44th out of 3,011 wide receivers from 87 to 23. It's pretty good. So again, you know, who knows where he goes? Again, we can sit here and we can talk about Mingo, whatever. Maybe in the second round, maybe it's completely undervalued. Who knows? Maybe he goes at the end of first. We don't know. Maybe someone's just totally dead set on Mingo. That's what always happens in the draft is somebody goes that you never expected and then guys slide that you wouldn't have expected. I would, If we were doing this last year and you guys said Trent McDuffie fell all the way to 21, yeah. I would say that you're crazy and that's not going to happen, but it did. Well, because the Chiefs first round grade on him, all of a sudden he becomes available like we want this guy. Uh, my game was Karloftis because I was going to mock him several times, but I thought, nah, he's not going to be here at the end of the first. This back, you know, there, there's no way. He's None of us be, thought he was going to be there at the like end I of the first. I could put him there and people are going to laugh at me saying Karloftis is not going to be there because we were thinking 12, 13, something like that. But again, that can happen to anybody. That's just the way it, it falls. And one thing you've mentioned on previous shows that I think is, is really brilliant is that if all these other teams are fighting over quarterbacks, they're fighting over positions that the Chiefs don't need, that helps the Chiefs. That's just pushing these guys down. 100%. 100%. Mahomes had a, some of these quarterbacks and it worked out with him. Watch them all like fight over these guys. Bring in Will Levis. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I'm so glad we don't have to worry about this for such a long time because all these teams want is to find their guy who can be their franchise quarterback for 10, 15 years. And we're seeing more and more teams, you know, back away from these guys quickly. Like Zach Wilson in New York, you know, Trey Lance in San Francisco. You're seeing with that Josh Rosen when he was taking the first round um, ahead of Lamar Jackson. And, and uh, Josh Allen's still in it. Josh Allen was before. Right, was right, before right, Rosen. A couple picks before he was. But they already, you know, jettisoned him off and moved ahead of him. Teams aren't keeping their quarterbacks like they used to in other days. They're making that move. They all want that Mahomes type. And it's hard to find. <laughs> oh, they all do. I it's mean, hard to find. 100% it's hard to find. But you're right. I mean, we feel like we're set. Like, you don't have to worry about it as much because you still have Mahomes. Like, <laughs> like, at the end of the day, just remind people, you still have Mahomes and Camp Pat. But coming up next, I'll finish out the uh, mock draft and get Matt's opinion on next. 
You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick, Bank, and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Character concerns on the radio. Jay Bakley with Chris Nocero, Julio Sanchez producing. Matt McMullen from the Kansas City Chiefs in studio with us. Nick Schwartz will be back on with us Tuesday. We're, we're going Fallout Boy again. Really? Gotta put it in rotation, man. Really, Julio? And again, if you wonder what we're doing here, these are these are bands the NFL will have for three nights of the draft. Yes. Why didn't they have Kelsey Jam part of it? I think that's Kelsey's thing. I don't it think is, that's. That's his own thing. He was his own musician, maybe so. Maybe they'd no, hire him to do it. No. Oh, they would. They no, totally would. No. If there, was an, if there was an NFL player that was also a musician. There are plenty of NFL players that are also musicians. Name one. Uh, Not what's any his name? good ones. No, 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 no. Um, what's his name? Uh, Colin Saunders. He's a rapper. So is uh, so Not is good. Kadarius Tony. No, Not Colin good. Saunders actually is a very good rapper. Neither of those are good. He's a very, very good rapper, actually. I've heard some of his songs. He's really good. Uh, but yeah, little. Uh, Kadarius Tony goes by the name Lil Joker. But this, but he can they, rap. But they, did they he perform? perform? Did they perform? Yes, they perform. Colin Saunders performs. He's a, he was featured on the franchise, I think it was in 2021. They had a song, Bad Vibes, on there. It's really good. Just because they can rap doesn't no, mean he's they a can good, rap. No, he's a good rapper. Believe me, I'm, I'm very picky about my rap. And, yeah, no, Colin Saunders can rap. Well, the NFL he's very good. hired a bunch of Chiefs. Yeah, well, they didn't. Chiefs. They didn't because they wanted to keep it safe. That's why they. That's why they went with Fallout Boy, Thundercat, and Motley Crue. You know what, though? I mean, I know it's great. I love. I love that Kansas City has a draft, but I just want the, the draft picks. I just want to see the Chiefs' picks. That's what I care about. <laughs> well, this is about including as many people as possible, not catering to Jay Binkley. Well, you, that's you, why they did this. Here's the one thing, too. Also, uh, something I brought up earlier, like the arches or the uh, the Union Station is becoming our arch. Yes. Like when you think of Kansas City, like before, you wouldn't see a lot of skyline pictures with Union Station or whatever. But because of all the parades we've had there with the Royals and the Chiefs, and now the draft's going to be there, isn't that becoming like the most iconic place in Kansas City's Union Station? It's always been there, but it's now getting all that run nationally because every big event is there. Can you imagine saying that like even 10 years ago? Like We've had all these parades, all these championship parades. Oh, you know? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's all this stuff in front of Union we Station. Went, we went a long time <laughs> between parades. I remember, you know, I grew up in this town, and – See, in the 93 season when they played the 94 AFC title game against the Bills, that's the only one I had seen except for this run. In Mahomes, you could make an argument he should have gone the five straight Super Bowls in five seasons. He's that good. <laughs> and he's and our it's guy. not that far of a stretch. We're not stretching. Those are games that easily could have gone either way. Someone asked me a little while ago, prior to last season, they're like, what are your expectations for the season? And I was like, well, we're going to at least make it to the AFC title game. And they're like, eventually the Chiefs can't keep doing this because it's never happened before. And my response was maybe we've never seen a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes before. And what do you know? Winning the Super Bowl here uh, in Mahomes' fifth season as a starter. We had a lot of fun on sports radio with people last summer that were doubting the Chiefs, saying they're not going to make the playoffs and all this. Because I'm sitting here going, Andy Reid's fifth all-time in wins. He's second all-time in postseason wins. There's no other coach in this division that's won a postseason game. Now there is with Sean Payton in Denver. 
you look at these quarterbacks, Mahomes almost has the total of Russell Wilson's career in only a short amount of time. Russell's been playing since, what, 2012, 2013, something like that. Been playing longer than he has. But they've won it seven straight years. At that point, it was six straight years. The funny thing is now, a lot of these people that did that and made the criticism, they've gone on record and said, you know what, I'm not doubting the Chiefs anymore. Like, I'm not doubting the Chiefs anymore, which is fine with me. It's fun to talk about. But, man, it, it's fun when people do doubt the Chiefs because I think they, I, it's good. It's good to give motivation. Nick Saban calls it rat poison because this player, everybody's always talking about how good his players are. And when they don't and they pick somebody else to beat them like George or something, he likes it. Even if the national media doesn't doubt the Chiefs, though, the Chiefs will find a way to like convince themselves that they've been doubted. Kind of like in uh, the last dance, yeah. Michael Jordan would make the things Patriots up. were yeah. doing that. <laughs> the Chiefs will find a way. Yeah, no. they'll take everything personal. <laughs> the 2015 and, Royals did the same thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, they were trying to fight everybody that year because all the other teams were trying to punk them early on, and so they're like, "Oh, we'll just fight you early on." And then after that, once teams figured out that they weren't no punks. Then, then at that point, they started getting their proper respect. Well, I was just trying to figure out why people would do it. I'm just trying to, you know, like, was it because the producer was in there saying, you know, you can't keep picking the Chiefs every year? I but mean, I just, I mean, like, let's keep it real. The Chiefs are not going, are going against what the NFL's model is built around, which is parody. And so when you are defying what the NFL's business has been built around, I mean, at, at a certain point, you think it's got to end. Because in history, we see so many teams get to the point where the Chiefs were at, like, in 2019. They win a Super Bowl, and then they quickly bow out. I mean, we just look at the Rams. Rams won the Super Bowl a season ago, and then now they are allowing a team to use what would be the sixth overall pick to make a selection because they they traded for Matt Stafford, so they don't have their first-round pick this year. Like, a lot of teams in this sport very much have er, have quick success, and then they're out of it just as quickly. So I don't, I'm not surprised anybody is still saying, oh, the Chiefs are going to fall off. Like a year ago, I wasn't surprised. Well, because they, they had to go so young and they flipped the roster. Right. And by the way, Russell Wilson, in his career, he's been playing since 2012. And we all know Russell Wilson's been to a million playoff games. Nine playoff wins for Russell Wilson, nine and seven in his career. Patrick Mahomes, after the season, is now 11 and three in the playoffs. So Mahomes now has passed him by two playoff wins. For a guy that started, and Russell Wilson's been good. I know he had a bad year, and let's ride and all that stuff. But Russell Wilson's been very successful in the uh, in the NFL playoffs. But but uh, 2018 for Mahomes, the first playoff year, 2013 uh, for Russ. That's that's a big difference, and Mahomes already has more playoff wins than him. And Mahomes' season has never ended sooner than overtime of the AFC title game at home. He's been playing for five seasons. Think about that. That's, those are video game numbers that if you were playing that in Madden, you would have to up the difficulty because it wouldn't be a challenge. And there's new rules like the Patriots game would have been both teams would have had the ball at that point. Sure. The Bengals game could have gone either way if the Chiefs scored at the end of the first half. Sure. But the beauty of it all is the Chiefs got two Super Bowls in, in that span, and Mahomes is 27 years old. <laughs> He's just getting started. You could argue he hasn't entered his prime yet. You know what? I was looking, you know, Steve Young, it's amazing the, the yardage. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. What he did after – because there was hardly anything in his 20s because he was USFL for a while and everything, but his, his Hall of Fame career was essentially in his 30s. And Mahomes hadn't even come close <laughs> to that yet. He's got, we got a lot of good times in Kansas City on the horizon. It's just a beautiful time to be a Chiefs fan. You just have to enjoy it. That's the most important thing, and I think I've done a better job of that this past Super Bowl run than maybe I did during the first Super Bowl run, that this is supposed to be fun, and we have one of the greatest players of all time on our team leading our team to Super Bowls or at least Super Bowl contention every single year. 
you got to enjoy it because these things are not normal. It's all you have to hope for. And that's why I remind fans all the time on, on the post game show. It's like, again, I've lived here my whole life. That Buffalo Bills road game, that's all you had as far as a uh, AFC title game. Like, don't take it for granted now. Don't take it for granted for a team that keeps winning all the time. This is very tough to do what the Kansas City Chiefs are doing. Not only that, they played Mahomes played more football than any player in the National Football League in the last five years, and so is that core four that I gave you that's been there because they keep they keep going to the Super Bowl. When I mean, we look at NBA teams all the time and say, well, you know, they've gone to two straight NBA finals or keep going to the playoffs. How many games do they play outside of the regular season? Nobody has played more football than them. Nobody has coached more football than Andy Reid. And the remarkable thing is the hunger is still there. That's what I think is so amazing, that the guys don't have to be together in Texas right now. They don't have to be. They could mm-hmm. be on vacation. They could be doing whatever they want. They could be not even looking at football right now, but they want to be because they're not satisfied. And that's that's the true beauty of Patrick Mahomes. And they're winning, and yet they're unsatisfied, and that's the uh, tough thing. Do you, do you have to go mad or do you need to stay? No, I'll hang out. Okay. That's okay with you guys. Just okay. holding them hostage? <laughs> I don't want people to think that because you are. <laughs> we got them taped to the chair here. You are not. For the record, Matt McMillan is not held hostage. Keep giving us takes, Matt. I think yeah. my wife is listening, so I, okay. maybe I am being held hostage. I don't know. No, he's not. He is fine. <laughs> sit, sit yes, no, Matt's wife. We are holding him hostage. He <laughs> is not choosing twice. to be away from Cough you. Cough twice if you're in trouble. <laughs> but anyway, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. I'll get to the rest of this mock because we're only at the third round on this next. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick, Bank, and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.